Tribulation Today Ministries, where esoterica meets biblical Christianity. Hello, everybody. Could Islam truly be a religion of peace? Part 2. It's been a little while since I've been able to do one of these, and I'm not sure how the audio quality is going to turn out on this one. I'm kind of out on a job site right now, so we're going to see what happens. In the first episode, we got to see a little bit of what the origins, beginnings of Islam was. Um, in this one, I've got some more audio clips that I'd like to share with everybody. As always, I want to let everybody know that we're not trying to offend anyone here, but this program is based on scriptural truth, and the truth is the truth is the truth. So if it offends you, and yet you understand it is the truth, sorry, suck it up, buttercup. I want to start this out with a little bit of prayer, and then a little bit of worship music. Lord Father, we come to you in prayer today, and we all ask forgiveness for our sins, Father, for we know that there are many and they are great. Lord, we also ask you for the power to help us forgive others as they have done us wrong. Lord, we know that forgiveness is not so much for the other person, but it's for us. It sets us free in so many different ways. And as we come to you with a clean heart, O oh Lord, we ask you that you fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit, Father. Let your words come forth from our mouths so that we may produce many crowns to cast at your feet. We ask that your truth be revealed to us, Father. We seek you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we know that there's a lot of things that are going to be in these programs, Father, that people are going to wonder about. And as always, Father, my prayer is that only the truth be revealed, Father, your truth, and nothing else. We seek not to offend anybody. We don't want to make anybody mad. But Father God, we know that our time here on this alien demon-infested rock we call Earth is very short, Lord. And we know that your truth needs to be revealed right now. We don't have time to wait. Maranatha. The acts of terrorism are just growing stronger every day. And with this election coming up next month, Lord, we have a sense of impending doom. We pray for our government leaders, Father, and we ask you that they turn from their wicked ways and turn back to a righteous nation. We understand that America was not founded as a Christian country. It was more found in Freemasonry and the like. But we do also realize that the majority of the people in our country were Christian and had very high moral standards, Father. And we ask you that we go back to that and always praise you, Father. Praise you in the heights. Praise you and let you have all the glory for everything that this country has ever done and ever will do. Let your Holy Spirit come down upon each and every one of us, Father, and reside within us. Let us do the things that you want us to do, Father. You said that if we love you, we'll follow your commandments, Lord. And yet we know we're sinners, Father. We're the bottom of the barrel scum. And we just ask you, Lord, because you're our only hope. Our only hope of ever attaining anything even close to righteousness, Father. You are our righteousness. And we ask you that you be manifest in us. Let them see you in each one of us, Father, on a daily basis, Lord. We ask you in these times of trouble, Father, that you send your holy warring ministry and guardian angels, Father, to be around each and every one of us 
each and every one of our family members, Father. And today we even lift up our enemies in prayer, Father. For we know lifting up our enemies in prayer could bring them into your kingdom, Lord. And if they're in your kingdom, Lord, they're no longer our enemy, but our brother and our sister. For yours is and always has been and always will be the power, the glory, and the dominion forever and ever. In the name of our Lord Yeshua, Jesus Christ, amen. cross over Jordan, let his glory be defined, and we'll be running home to him. 
Now let's jump right into an audio clip I have here so we can get a little bit deeper into Islam and what it means, where it came from, what it's about, and so on and so forth. So I hope you enjoy this audio clip. I'll talk to you after. How the Vatican Created Islam, the astonishing story of an ex-Jesuit priest, Alberto Rivera, which was told to him by Cardinal B. while he was at the Vatican, by Alberto Rivera. This information came from Alberto Rivera, former Jesuit priest, after his conversion to Protestant Christianity. It is excerpted from The Prophet, published by Chick Publications, P.O. Box 661, Chino, California, 91708. Since his publication, after several unsuccessful attempts on his life, he died suddenly from food poisoning. His testimony should not be silenced. Dr. Rivera speaks to us still. What I'm going to tell you is what I learned in secret briefings in the Vatican when I was a Jesuit priest, under oath and induction. A Jesuit cardinal named Augustine B. showed us how desperately the Roman Catholics wanted Jerusalem at the end of the 3rd century. Because of its religious history and its strategic location, the holy city was considered a priceless treasure. A scheme had to be developed to make Jerusalem a Roman Catholic city. The great untapped source of manpower that could do this job was the children of Ishmael. The poor Arabs fell victim to one of the most clever plans ever devised by the powers of darkness. Early Christians went everywhere with the gospel setting up small churches, but they met heavy opposition. Both the Jews and the Roman government persecuted the believers in Christ to stop their spread. But the Jews rebelled against Rome, and in 70 AD, Roman armies under General Titus smashed Jerusalem and destroyed the great Jewish temple, which was the heart of Jewish worship, in fulfillment of Christ's prophecy in Matthew 24, 2. On this holy place today, where the temple once stood, the Dome of the Rock Mosque stands as Islam's second most holy place. Sweeping changes were in the wind. Corruption, apathy, greed, cruelty, perversion, and rebellion were eating at the Roman Empire and it was ready to collapse. The persecution against Christians was useless as they continued to lay down their lives for the gospel of Christ. The only way Satan could stop this thrust was to create a counterfeit Christian religion to destroy the work of God. The solution was in Rome. The religion had come from ancient Babylon, and all it needed was a facelift. This didn't happen overnight but began in the writings of the early church fathers. It was through their writings that a new religion would take shape. The statue of Jupiter in Rome was eventually called St. Peter. 
and the statue of Venus was changed to the Virgin Mary. The site chosen for its headquarters was on one of the seven hills called Vaticanus, the place of the diving serpent where the satanic temple of Janus stood. The great counterfeit religion was called Roman Catholicism, called Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Revelation 17.5 She was raised up to block the gospel, slaughter the believers in Christ, establish religions, create wars, and make the nations drunk with the wine of her fornication, as we will see. Three major religions have one thing in common. Each has a holy place where they look for guidance. Roman Catholicism looks to the Vatican as the holy city. The Jews look to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and the Muslims look to Mecca as their holy city. Each group believes that they receive certain types of blessings for the rest of their lives for visiting their holy place. In the beginning, Arab visitors would bring gifts to the house of God, and the keepers of the Kaaba were gracious to all who came. Some brought their idols and, not wanting to offend these people, their idols were placed inside the sanctuary. It is said that the Jews looked upon the Kaaba as an outlying tabernacle of the Lord with veneration until it became polluted with idols. In a tribal contention over a well, Zamzam, the treasure of the Kaaba and the offerings that the pilgrims had given were dumped down the well and it was filled with sand. It disappeared. Many years later, Ab al-Mutabi was given visions telling him where to find the well and its treasure. He became the hero of Mecca, and he was destined to become the grandfather of Muhammad. Before this time, Augustine became the bishop of North Africa and was effective in winning Arabs to Roman Catholicism, including whole tribes. It was among these Arab converts to Catholicism that the concept of looking for an Arab prophet developed. Muhammad's father died from illness, and sons born to great Arab families in places like Mecca were sent into the desert to be suckled and weaned and spend time of their childhood with Bedouin tribes for training and to avoid the plagues in the cities. After his mother and grandfather also died, Muhammad was with his uncle when a Roman Catholic monk learned of his identity and said, Take your brother's son and go back to his country and guard him against the Jews. For by God, if they see him and know of him that which I know, they will construe evil against him. Great things are in store for this brother's son of yours. The Roman Catholic monk had fanned the flames for future Jewish persecutions at the hands of the followers of Muhammad. The Vatican desperately wanted Jerusalem because of its religious significance, but was blocked by the Jews. Another problem was the true Christians in North Africa who preached the gospel. Roman Catholicism was growing in power, but would not tolerate opposition. Somehow the Vatican had to create a weapon to eliminate both the Jews and the true Christian believers who refused to accept Roman Catholicism. Looking to North Africa, they saw the multitudes of Arabs as a source of manpower to do their dirty work. 
Some Arabs had become Roman Catholic and could be used in reporting information to leaders in Rome. Others were used in an underground spy network to carry out Rome's master plan to control the great multitudes of Arabs who rejected Catholicism. When St. Augustine appeared on the scene, he knew what was going on. His monastery served as bases to seek out and destroy Bible manuscripts owned by the true Christians. The Vatican wanted to create a messiah for the Arabs. Someone they could raise up as a great leader, a man with charisma whom they could train, and eventually unite all the non-Catholic Arabs behind him, creating a mighty army that would ultimately capture Jerusalem for the Pope. In the Vatican briefing, Cardinal B. told this story. A wealthy Arabian lady who was a faithful follower of the Pope played a tremendous part in this drama. She was a widow named Kadja. She gave her wealth to the church and retired to a convent, but was given an assignment. She was to find a brilliant young man who could be used by the Vatican to create a new religion and become the Messiah for the children of Ishmael. Kadja had a cousin named Oroqua, who was also a very faithful Roman Catholic, and the Vatican placed him in a critical role as Muhammad's advisor. He had tremendous influence on Muhammad. Teachers were sent to young Muhammad, and he had intensive training. Muhammad studied the works of St. Augustine, which prepared him for his great calling. The Vatican had Catholic Arabs across North Africa spread the story of a great one who was about to rise up among the people and be the chosen one of their God. While Muhammad was being prepared, he was told that his enemies were the Jews and that the only true Christians were Roman Catholic. He was taught that others calling themselves Christians were actually wicked imposters and should be destroyed. Many Muslims believe this. Muhammad began receiving divine revelations, and his wife's Catholic cousin, Wuraqua, helped interpret them. From this came the Quran. In the fifth year of Muhammad's mission, persecution came against his followers because they refused to worship the idols in the Kaaba. Muhammad instructed some of them to flee to Abyssinia or Negus. The Roman Catholic king accepted them because Muhammad's views on the Virgin Mary were so close to Roman Catholic doctrine. These Muslims received protection from Catholic kings because of Muhammad's revelations. Muhammad later conquered Mecca and the Kaaba was cleared of idols. History proves that before Islam came into existence, the Sabians in Arabia worshipped the moon god who was married to the sun god. They gave birth to three goddesses who were worshipped throughout the Arab world as daughters of Allah. An idol excavated at Hazor in Palestine in 1950s shows Allah sitting on a throne with the crescent moon on his chest. Muhammad claimed he had a vision from Allah and was told, You are the messenger of Allah. This began his career as a prophet and he received many messages. By the time Muhammad died, the religion of Islam was exploding. 
the nomadic Arab tribes were joining forces in the name of Allah and his prophet, Muhammad. Some of Muhammad's writings were placed in the Quran. Others were never published. They are now in the hands of high-ranking holy men, ayatollahs, in the Islamic faith. When Cardinal B. shared this with us in the Vatican, he said, These writings are guarded because they contain information that links the Vatican to the creation of Islam. Both sides have so much information on each other that if exposed, it could create such a scandal that it would be a disaster for both religions. In their holy book, the Quran, Christ is regarded as only a prophet. If the Pope was his representative on earth, then he also must be a prophet of God. This caused the followers of Muhammad to fear and respect the Pope as another holy man. The Pope moved quickly and issued bulls granting the Arab generals permission to invade and conquer the nations of North Africa. The Vatican helped to finance the building of these massive Islamic armies in exchange for three favors. One, eliminate the Jews and Christians, true believers, which they called infidels. Two, protect the Augustinian monks and Roman Catholics. Three, conquer Jerusalem for His Holiness in the Vatican. As time went by, the power of Islam became tremendous. Jews and true Christians were slaughtered, and Jerusalem fell into their hands. Roman Catholics were never attacked, nor were their shrines, during this time. But when the Pope asked for Jerusalem, he was surprised at their denial. The Arab generals had such military success that they could not be intimidated by the Pope. Nothing could stand in the way of their own plan. Under Warakwa's direction, Muhammad wrote that Abraham offered Ishmael as a sacrifice. The Bible says that Isaac was the sacrifice. But Muhammad removed Isaac's name and inserted Ishmael's name. As a result of this and Muhammad's vision, the faithful Muslims built a mosque, the Dome of the Rock, in Ishmael's honor on the site of the Jewish temple that was destroyed in 70 AD. This made Jerusalem the second most holy place in the Islam faith. How could they give such a sacred shrine to the Pope without causing a revolt? The Pope realized what they had created was out of control when he had heard they were calling His Holiness an infidel. The Muslim generals were determined to conquer the world for Allah and now they had turned toward Europe. Islamic ambassadors approached the Pope and asked for papal bulls to give them permission to invade European countries. The Vatican was outraged. War was inevitable. Temporal power and control of the world was considered the basic right of the Pope. He wouldn't think of sharing it with those whom he considered heathens. The Pope raised up his armies and called them crusades to hold back the children of Ishmael from grabbing Catholic Europe. The crusades lasted centuries and Jerusalem slipped out of the Pope's hands. Turkey fell, and Spain and Portugal were invaded by Islamic forces. In Portugal, they called a mountain village, Fatima, in honor of Muhammad's daughter, never dreaming it would become world famous. Years later, when the Muslim armies were poised on the islands of Sardinia and Corsica to invade Italy, there was a serious problem. The Islamic generals realized they were too far extended. 
it was time for peace talks. One of the negotiators was Francis of Assisi. As a result, the Muslims were allowed to occupy Turkey in a Christian world, and the Catholics were allowed to occupy Lebanon in the Arab world. It was also agreed that the Muslims could build mosques in Catholic countries without interference, as long as Roman Catholicism could flourish in Arab countries. Cardinal B. told us in Vatican briefings that both the Muslims and Roman Catholics agreed to block and destroy the efforts of their common enemy, Bible-believing Christian missionaries. Through these concordance, Satan blocked the children of Ishmael from a knowledge of Scripture and the truth. A light control was kept on Muslims from the Ayatollah down through the Islamic priests, nuns, and monks. The Vatican also engineers a campaign of hatred between the Muslim Arabs and the Jews. Before this, they had coexisted peacefully. The Islamic community looks on the Bible-believing missionary as a devil who brings poison to the children of Allah. This explains years of ministry in those countries with little results. The next plan was to control Islam. In 1910, Portugal was going socialistic. Red flags were appearing and the Catholic Church was facing a major problem. Increasing numbers were against the Church. The Jesuits wanted Russia involved. And the location of this vision at Fatima could play a key part in pulling Islam to the Mother Church. In 1917, the Virgin appeared in Fatima. The Mother of God was a smashing success, playing to overflow crowds. As a result, the Socialists of Portugal suffered a major defeat. Roman Catholics worldwide began praying for the conversion of Russia, and the Jesuits invented the Nova Nas to Fatima, which they could perform throughout North Africa, spreading good public relations to the Muslim world. The Arabs thought they were honoring the daughter of Muhammad, which is what the Jesuits wanted them to believe. As a result of the vision of Fatima, Pope Pius XII ordered his Nazi army to crush Russia and the Orthodox religion and make Russia Roman Catholic. A few years after he lost World War II, Pope Pius XII startled the world with his phony dancing sun vision to keep Fatima in the news. It was great religious showbiz and the world swallowed it. Not surprisingly, Pope Pius was the only one to see this vision. As a result, a group of followers has grown into a blue army worldwide, totaling millions of faithful Roman Catholics ready to die for the Blessed Virgin. But we haven't seen anything yet. The Jesuits have their Virgin Mary scheduled to appear four or five times in China, Russia, and major appearances in the U.S., what has this got to do with Islam? Note Bishop Sheen's statement. Our Lady's appearances at Fatima mark the turning point in the history of the world's 350 million Muslims. After the death of his daughter, Muhammad wrote that she is the most holy of all women in paradise next to Mary. He believed that the Virgin Mary chose to be known as Our Lady of Fatima as a sign and a pledge that the Muslims who believe in Christ's virgin birth will come to believe in his divinity. Bishop Sheen pointed out that the pilgrim virgin statues of Our Lady of Fatima were enthusiastically received by Muslims in Africa, 
India, and elsewhere, and that many Muslims are now coming into the Roman Catholic Church. Wow, it's amazing how they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes about the beginnings of Islam. But praise God for Alberto Rivera. He uh, had a series of comic books by Jack Chick Tracts. Uh, I believe it was back in the 80s. I was like 14 years old when I first read these, and they really opened my eyes to so much stuff. Uh, I praise God every day that Alberto was able to give his testimony and tell the truth about the Catholic Church and what they're behind. They're behind so many different things in the world. These books are still available at chick.com, C-H-I-C-K dot com. Uh, you can't find them in Christian bookstores very much anymore. I originally found them in a Berean bookstore. Um, that was before they were bought out or they sold out more like it. They're pretty much cowardly anymore. They won't put anything like that on the shelves. If they think they're going to offend anyone, they do not put them out. The truth of Christ evidently uh, doesn't reside within them. Uh gutless. I don't know how else to say it, but that is the truth. We need to preach the gospel unashamedly. Uh, we shouldn't worry about um, offending people. Uh, we don't do it on purpose, don't get me wrong, but we shouldn't worry about offending people with the truth for the simple fact that our master was hated before us and we will be hated because of his word. Jesus did promise us that, and it's my opinion that if you're not hated at all by anyone, uh, I think you're kind of lukewarm, because you're bowing to each and every individual's will, and you're not speaking the truth. The truth will not be accepted. It, it will not. There's just no way around it. I wish that it was, but that is the truth of the matter. I mean, as I said before, Jesus was hated. And we will be hated also. He was persecuted, and we will also be persecuted. If you're not persecuted, you need to look at what you're preaching. And in looking at that whole thing, we need to wonder, where are the heroes now? There's so many heroes in the past that we read about and we look up to. Where are they now? Which one of you is going to stand up and preach the word the way it is told, the way it is written? Not be ashamed of it and not cower down. Who will walk into the furnace like Hadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Who will part the waters like Moses? Who will bring down the walls of Jericho again? Where are the heroes now? I ask you that. Will you stand up? Will you speak his word?
That's right, church. It is our calling to put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let's step out from the crowd. Let's put on our armor. Let's pick up our belt of truth, our breastplate of righteousness, our shoes of the gospel, our shield of faith, our helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. So I'm going to leave that calling right there. Uh, you men, I think you should stand up and be the husbands and the fathers in your family. Be the head of the household. Show Christ to your wives and your children through you. Lead by example. Women, be virtuous. Support your husband in everything. He is the head of the woman as Christ is the head of the man. So until next time, if I don't see you on this alien demon infested rock we call Earth, I'll see you in the air. Shalom.